Welcome to Annie Bros episode 150. Today the cousins finally watched Anno's magnum opus, Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0. This is a long one, so brew a fresh pot of LCL because two and a half hours of Ava discussion is coming up next. Bros. Once again, we're the cousins. You can uh, go to our website at www.anniebroscreative.com and also see our specifically just our podcast at www.anniebrospodcast.com. Uh, as usual, uh, I'm Laven. You can find me on Twitter at LavenBuff. Hey, uh, and I'm Kenny. You can find me at Sakoku underscore Otaku on Twitter. Yes, and uh, today is a big day because... Oh, it's the biggest. It's the biggest day uh, because uh, contrary to yours and mine and everybody's expectations, uh, Ava came out everywhere in the world at the same time with subtitles. Shocking. Shockingly in the same, like, I don't know six months span. five months yeah five months span yeah within within yeah essentially um i mean the real time frame five months but it came in came out within half a year of the actual japan release which is amazing is this unprecedented um i don't think i don't think it's necessarily unprecedented because we've had some pretty close simultaneous releases between um my Hero Academia movies in between Japan and the United States. Um, were, they, and the, were they in the actual theater and then they came out like within five months? Yeah. I'd have to double check, but yeah, we, um, the last, I mean, the, the two My Hero Academia movies um, got theatrical releases in the States. Um, sure, sure, sure. COVID really messed a lot of stuff up because I, I, I think we would have also gotten, um, demon slayer mugen train um pretty close to when it came out in japan were it not for the pandemic well okay um, but so i don't follow uh any <laughs> of those subpar animations uh, b- <laughs> uh but are you saying though that those came out in theaters in america after their theatrical release in japan yeah so then i'm my question about it being unprecedented is it was in theaters here and then it became available in your home cinema on mm. home video and DVD, <laughs> you know, rentable at your local blockbuster right now. Yeah, uh, which is crazy. Like, what? I don't. You don't have to go to a theater in America to see it. You can just like get it in your house. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, that might be the completely unique thing here, um, which is pretty flipping awesome it's pretty wild uh i never predicted this i never thought this would happen uh yeah so i'm, I'm really glad 
that instead of getting to do this episode two years from now, we can do it now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, because we are here to talk about, once again, uh, Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0, Thrice Upon a Time. Yeah. Um, exactly that title <laughs> i know I, I know that our episodes are released at a breakneck pace uh so you might just be like hot off the heels of listening to our last uh <clears throat> evangelion episode but don't worry uh i think it's content worth listening to probably it's our it's really our wheelhouse like this is if we're gonna be able to produce a quality episode it's gonna be about this <laughs> that's true between gundam and ava everyone uh has been alienated and has uh, unsubscribed from this podcast already because <laughs> uh the, the only the, the stronger main the fan base of uh moe fans that we cultivated in the beginning they've this is the last straw i'm sure i'm sick of this there's moe in the last evangelion movie yeah a little bit yeah um awesome so that's the tantalizer. We are going to talk about this amazing, um, maybe the one good thing Amazon has ever done. Um, and, you know, we'll give you another warning later on in the episode, but I just want to get this out for our listeners right now. Uh, there will be no restrictions on what we are going to talk about related to Evangelion once we start in on it. Uh, that means that we are going to talk without a ban with like no no boundaries on uh, the original series, the original movies, um, Death and Rebirth, and the End of Evangelion, uh, and all four rebuild movies. Yeah, uh, we'll probably also talk about the manga. Um, I don't know the Shinji Ikari raising project, uh, Girlfriend of Steel. I don't know. We'll talk about everything. So if you are you know, persnickety about uh, spoilers or really don't want to have any aspect of Evangelion potentially spoiled for you, uh, this episode isn't it. <laughs> um, go watch all 26 episodes, watch all six movies, read all 12 volumes, come back and give this a listen. Yeah, you really have no excuse. Um, I don't feel bad for anyone who's like, uh, I don't want to hear spoilers. Like, why did you click on this podcast in that case? And second of all, it's available to you freely right now on the interwebs. So uh, go get it. Go watch it. <laughs> and uh, if you don't care about Ava, I don't care about you. How about that? <laughs> hot damn. <laughs> that's, my hot, hot. that's my hot take. <laughs> uh, okay. But before we dive into that, um, have you been watching anything else? Yeah, I did. Uh, I watched several things um nice the uh i just decided on a whim to watch golden kamui oh yeah and i watched all of it minus the ovas there's apparently like an ova series that's kind of reasonably sized that takes place mm -hmm. in between uh one or two of the seasons i didn't watch those but i watched all the normal uh tv anime episodes Nice. It's pretty good. I would I would give it a strong recommend if you like adventure, but not stupid adventure like One Piece. <laughs> it's gonna be like a fun, uh, like adult oriented adventure. 
without like, yeah. wacky powers. It's pretty it's pretty good. And you get to learn about uh like Ainu culture, mm-hmm. which I didn't really know anything about. And it's fun to get like little interesting uh hmm. Interesting pieces of information, I guess. Yeah. The Ainu being the uh indigenous people of northern Japan. Right. I, I didn't want to say nuggets of information because I thought that would be too <laughs> stupid of a pun <laughs> to make gotcha but uh, um yeah yeah i've seen probably the first six episodes um and for whatever reason i just didn't follow through um i really enjoyed what i've seen and yeah animation's pretty solid uh story's great um it's a very popular manga as well yeah i believe the manga is still ongoing so mm-hmm. uh the part i got to in the, the anime which is all of it that's aired so far it's just like it just kind of ends and so you're mm. waiting for the next part to be animated like the next season but yeah it's really good uh if you like historical adventure it's like takes place in uh late meiji era but mm-hmm. it like right after the russo-japanese war but it doesn't like that sounds like something that history people would only be only history people would be interested in but, yeah. but really it doesn't matter it's just really good and the story is time irrelevant it's just like a, yeah. a good goal he's trying to find this treasure that was uh well it's really complicated but there's a treasure involved yeah. <laughs> and he wants to find it and uh there's these these uh group of uh prisoners in uh the prison who are tattooed with a map to the treasure by a single prisoner who knew the location of the treasure so he like tattooed the the prisoners with a map and uh Mm -hmm. you have to go find all the prisoners and somehow get their skin or like allow them (laughs) allow them to have the map be copied down because you need all the prisoners uh like every single one of them you need all their tattoos to like complete the map and understand where the treasure is yeah put it together that's <laughs> the worst version of the dragon balls but <laughs> it yeah. still makes for a compelling show yeah so like these factions like you know evolve and like people start working together and then backstabbing each other to like figure out how to like use the treasure and some people have good motives some people have like weird motives it's it's mm-hmm. very interesting and good and i highly recommend it and i probably don't need to recommend it because i'm as I uh, as I believe, it's a very popular show already. Super popular. So I think everyone's yeah. already watched it, and I'm just late to the party. But I definitely recommend it if you haven't watched it. It's like an under-the-radar cool show. Like, it seems like a popular show that's yeah. not like, you know, if you're a hipster about these things like I am, it's <laughs> it's like if you don't want to watch Demon Slayer, you could watch this, and uh, there's like actually a community of people you could talk about it with. <laughs> yeah, and it's roughly um kind of roughly the same time period those two shows. That's kind of interesting. Um Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, you know, just to the pace that anime comes out in, I mean, I I feel like I blinked and I'm probably a season and a half behind. Um cuz the only thing, the only the newest show I've seen is Odd Taxi and I I'm pretty sure that was a season ago at this point. Um So maybe folks missed it because it aired i don't know i think it started like a year or two ago which is 
you know, maybe eight seasons ago, <laughs> depending on when it came out. Yeah, I want to say like 2017, uh, 2018 is when the first one came out. So yeah, it looks yeah, 2018. Wow. Uh, but the newest season just aired this year, or no, 2020, last year, or maybe okay. maybe this winter. I don't remember, but like pretty not so long ago, the the, yeah. the most recent season came out. So it's like pretty, it's current ish. Yeah. The the thing I really remember is um, while it's a very serious show, uh, the humor is kind of a plus. Like it's a very funny show when it wants to be. It's so bizarre. Like that's my favorite part about the show is it's kind of surreal, surrealist. Like mm-hmm. there'll be these like really heavy, like kind of like thought provoking parts where you're like, wow, this is really good. And then there'll be this like off the wall abstract comedy thrown in, and you're just <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like really dark black humor you're like okay yeah i guess this is fine <laughs> but uh which and but, but blended together and just like makes it really like i don't know just really off the wall like avant-garde kind of style <laughs> yeah which i enjoy i think it's it's really it's bizarre but it's cool uh nice yeah so, anything else so i watched that uh i rewatched the wind rises because oh yeah because uh as we'll talk about later there's a, a an hk documentary about ano and it got me it reminded me that uh ano does the voice acting for the lead the lead character in the wind rises <laughs> like the main character yeah. and uh so i, I was like oh, i kind of want to watch the wind rises because i hadn't seen it since it was in the theater uh mm-hmm. so i rewatched that and it's really funny because i watched it with Kauri and as soon as the main character starts speaking we're like ah that's Anno <laughs> this is gonna yeah. be really hard to like take him seriously as a character because it's just Anno's voice <laughs> right and it's kind of a it's a, a long way he, that he's come from voicing the cat in Fooly Cooly that's, um, that's right yeah so and you know Laven's talking about Studio Ghibli's uh The Wind Rises um is it is it a fictional telling of an aircraft designer or is it is it an actual biography of the guy who invented the zero? Well, well, it's kind of both. It's a fictionalized mm. biography of the real man. Gotcha. So like there are real people like uh, actual historical figures in as characters in this show, but it's kind of like mm. they take a lot of liberties with like events and like what happened but it's based on a real book uh that is a real biography so okay uh it's kind of both like there's a lot of just like imaginary stuff that goes on and there's yeah the whole plot point with the romance is like unconfirmed if it actually happened to him or not i don't think it did mm-hmm. um so that part i think is just purely fictionalized but for the most part it, it's still like worth watching like it's really good yeah. The animation is really good, and the anti-war message is really strong, and I don't know, Zero is cool. But, yeah. but the Zero doesn't <laughs> get a little bit of a spoiler, but the, the, the titular <laughs> cool plane that I wanted to see is shown for like approximately four seconds at the very end, and the whole thing is like him designing the precursor aircraft and then like mm-hmm. 
it kind of just has like an epilogue at the end where it's just like, oh yeah, and also you make the zero eventually, and Japan loses the war. That sucks, and that's the <laughs> and that's the that's the end. <laughs> Those two connections, yeah, um, that's really funny. And um, you know, the main character voiced by the director of evangelion hideaki Anno. right um for those not not yet versed in the shorthand that we'll be throwing around here very soon uh i feel like uh um, mentioning the word ano is not shorthand it's just like if you don't understand <laughs> what we're talking about the rest of the episode is going to make zero sense <laughs> that's why we got to give them context at the beginning yeah this is uh, a, and then tell them to leave the shorthand <laughs> aka a man's name that you should learn <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh yeah and then i also watched oh well, i've been watching ace of diamond or, oh or diamond baseball anime? I, yeah uh-huh just because like i need something to fall asleep and uh <laughs> that's what i chose it's the next series placed upon the altar but then i kind of i keep pausing it and like checking out other things to watch when i'm falling asleep and then i found a better show yeah that i am uh super like kind of annoyed that i didn't give this a chance before a long time ago because it's kind of older mm-hmm. at this point but mushishi do you know oh totally i never watched yeah. this or cared about it or like thought it was interesting sounding before even yeah. though everyone says it's great i just didn't believe them or didn't care you know i don't know for some reason <laughs> it just flew under the radar for me yeah and uh so i i <laughs> looked up a list of best anime to fall asleep to and, oh, and it was totally. it was number one, and I was like, okay, well, let's give this a try. But then I had trouble falling asleep to it, not because it's not. Oh, you got hooked. Because yeah, not because it's not peaceful and good to fall asleep. Like it totally, I can understand why people say this, but it's so interesting. Like the story is so interesting. Yeah. Where I'm like, well, then what happens? Well, then what happens? I want. I don't want to sleep yet because I want to know what's going on. Um. Yeah, and. You know, it's so funny that you mentioned that it's on a list of anime to fall asleep to. I have absolutely turned on episodes of Mushishi to fall asleep when I was traveling for work. Like if I was having difficulty falling asleep in the like super dry, unfamiliar hotel room, I'd be like, oh, okay, what anime do I have access to right now? Um, and yeah, like I've probably, I've probably tried to watch, I've seen, I've seen all of Mushishi. But in in the attempt to fall asleep to it, I've probably seen like the first and second episode maybe like I don't know five times. <laughs> yeah, uh huh. I there's a couple that I've watched like three or four times already. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but it yeah it's really good, and I'm sure everyone knows this already. <laughs> but you should watch it if you haven't. It's it's really uh, good. I I mean if you don't know what it is, it's like. I don't know how to explain it. It's like he's like a doctor, basically. But instead of yeah. curing like real diseases that we know of in our world, he cures like these supernatural phenomena that occur because of these things called mushi, mushi which mm-hmm. um, is not bugs, even though they're kind of like bugs. They're a like... It's a different... Uh, different kanji, right? Dif- well, I don't know. <laughs> because it's a spoken word for most of the show Mm -hmm. um but they're like i don't know they describe they're described as like like the tiniest life form smaller than anything else that like exists on a plane that we cannot perceive Mm -hmm. (laughs) but they can like form together and create like 
I don't know, anti, not anti-life, but like, I don't know, like a inverse of living things. Yeah. Like a dimensional plane that we cannot perceive. Uh, but some people mm-hmm. can see them. So they cause this like invisible phenomena that like seems supernatural, but like is explained by this weird thing called Mushi. And they like, mm-hmm. they like, they just form these like alternative creatures that aren't able to be seen by normal people. Like, for example, yeah, there's like this earworm that gets into people's ears and like eats sound. So people just start going deaf in this village, seemingly mm-hmm. for, with no explanation. But like he just shows up and he's like, oh, yeah, it's this thing. They like eat this, <laughs> eat the sound and get in people's ears. So he like cures people of these like weird ailments that are, uh, you know, they spring up. Uh, they're really interesting it's just like creative stories like one-off story each episode is a one-off story with this like creative like plot point that uh i i like yeah it's all it's all tied together in like a a japanese locale but um to me mushishi always felt like uh kino's journey where it's like each episode is its own kind of outside the box odd little story yeah 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 it's really it's that's i didn't think of that before now yeah it reminds me of that it's really peaceful and calm there's no like there's really no crazy conflict it's just like having someone tell you a like a low-key horror story that has like a mm-hmm. like a melancholy ending <laughs> yeah it's just like okay it's not happy or sad it's just like that was interesting and then he like travels on to something else, but he keeps encountering like these weird phenomena that happen like to people, and he like wants mm-hmm. to investigate them and figure it out. Uh, I love it, and I I think nice. there's a new like another season that came out, I guess. Uh, kind, yeah, kind of recently. I remember hearing about that. So I'm looking forward to watching all of this. It made me, it made me think I need to rewatch Lane. That's the first thing I thought when I was watching this. I was like, you know what? This tone reminds me of Lane, and I want to rewatch Lane now. You know, I we uh, we had made plans to to do a retro on Lane, um, and so I watched it. I don't know, probably like a year ago now at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you do pull the trigger on that, <laughs> let me know. Uh, I will rewatch Lane again um, because. Boy, do I have thoughts <laughs> as an adult watching it. Yeah, I haven't watched it since I was like a middle schooler, so I I want to watch it yeah. again and be like, what's? The... I'm sure it's gonna be even weirder than I thought even before. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's what I've been watching. Nice. Have you watch anything besides the 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 old Evangelion? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have. I mean, I've watched eva twice um i've consumed you know four hours of ano documentaries um it's been rather all-consuming since the movie came out um last week well that was last week only last week i guess it was 12 days ago from the time of this recording so about two weeks ago i've seen it twice and done a lot well I guess then it's time to dig into the main event. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. And so, like, I guess we should warn people about the spoilers. This is the 
welcome to the um, No Filter, sponsored by Lucky Strike section of the <laughs> podcast. Uh, yeah, this is our this is our door of guff. If you, if you go past this point, uh, you're you're in for yeah, it. Your humanity leaves um, you, and you become shootable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, welcome to our anti-universe. This is where we're gonna just dig in. Um, man, yeah. So we are we're gonna talk about, um, and I guess we'll use the the English release title or the Western release title, Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0, Thrice Upon a Time, um, or Shin Evangelion. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Hot damn. Um, I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know which face to climb this mountain from first. Um, you know, we did a lot. We did a lot of preamble about the rebuild series in our last Evangelion episode. So if people want more detail on that, they should probably go there. I don't want to rehash it too much. Um, but yeah, you know, this is kind of a continuation. Just now that you've seen it, <laughs> yeah. like kind of just rehash. Uh, well, exactly. Not rehash, but you know, like just. Go off of like, yeah. what did we get wrong before? Well, what do our what it's, what do we think <laughs> uh, about it now? Well, you did an amazing job keeping a lot under your hat. Um, you had every opportunity to spoil this movie, and you did not. I couldn't. I didn't. I I felt that would be a betrayal, and I didn't want to be a betrayer. So, I appreciate that, and, um, like. The nice thing is um, we got to watch it together. Mm-hmm. You know, we um, we both had access to it on Amazon. You know, I was on Amazon.com. You are on Amazon.co.jp. Um, and we just hit play at the same time. We watched it um, also with friend of the show and um, resident poltergeist Jack. Um, as well as a uh, friend of the show, Liquid Ken. Yeah, Liquid Ken was there. Um, boy. Yeah, I felt. Uh, I felt. Um, <laughs> this is. Well, um, I know now how uh, the boss felt. Wait, mm. wait, like uh, back to your just slightly previous point about uh, keeping things under my hat. Uh, I knew. Well, I thought originally that this movie was going to take like three years to come out in America. So, um, I, I now know how the boss felt having to like know the truth and keep the truth secret (laughs) and go into this just being like, well, I can't reveal the, how cool it was to Kenny (laughs) until a long time from now. (laughs) So I'll just have to just bear down and just like not talk about this cool movie with anybody until, until it comes out. And I, I'm like super appreciative and I did a, I did a really good job. I, so it, it was released on um, Friday the 13th, uh, you know, on Amazon. Um, I was traveling that Friday and I couldn't watch it until Saturday. <laughs> and so I was impressed just by the general, um, I guess, the, the anime community respecting the gravity of this film. And I... It, it took me like a good week or two to see people start to like dissect it on Twitter and whatnot. Um, 
So I just want to say, you know, a, a heartfelt congratulations to all of us for not fucking it up and not ruining it for anyone. Um, this is this is your third warning that <laughs> at this point, uh, if you have not seen this movie, we're going to ruin everything because like it's just it's there's too much here to talk about that um, we can't censor ourselves. Yeah. Um, the, the good thing, though, is you know, about this kind of movie uh, is that even if you don't care about spoilers and we ruin everything, I still think you'll gain something by watching it. Mm-hmm. Even if you know what's going to happen, like it's obviously not going to be yeah. as good, which is why I didn't tell you all the things, but uh, you'll still need to watch it because it's, it's yeah. not something we can just be like, well, this is a summary of the plot. And now you don't need to watch mm-hmm. it. It doesn't work like that. You, It's physically impossible to like accurately depict it with words because it, it cannot <laughs> right. be done. Like you need to, you need to like view what's going on. Yeah. And to that point, let me try my best to summarize the plot of this movie because <laughs> that'll give us a way in. Okay, go, um, go ahead. Please do, please do so. And actually, I think I think this movie is extremely straightforward to follow. Yeah. Um, and it's a direct continuation of 3.0. It starts right where 3.0 ends. Um, so you have... Um, Shinji, Array, and Asuka, um, they're, um, you know, Asuka's Eva Unit 2 has been destroyed, uh, Ray didn't have an Eva, and Shinji's Eva is being, is used as the power source to, to power the AAA, uh, Wonder. Um, so they're all, they're on foot, they're walking through what looks like some desolate red wasteland um they get rescued by um easily one of the best reveals ever uh kensuke ida um pulls up in a in his jeep steps out in a hazmat suit and rescues our three main characters um and he takes them to village three um probably the most beautiful (laughs) like post-apocalyptic um, rebirth of Tokyo three that you can imagine. Um, <laughs> and then yeah. I think, I think at that point Shinji is kind of like passed out um, when Kensuke rescues them. And so he wakes up um, and is in, he's greeted by a doctor who turns out to be Toji Suzuhara. Uh, another one of his school friends Um Notably, in the Rebuild series, Toji is not the pilot of Unit 4, um, which is very important because were he the pilot, uh, he might be dead. Um, although Asuka was piloting Unit 4 in, in the Rebuild series, and, and she's not dead. Or maybe. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so what we get is, um, you know, the villa, the... Um, protagonist organization that is fighting nerve and trying to prevent um fourth impact third impact near third impact um they're off getting new parts for um the eva uh, or for the eva units which is actually how the the movie starts with a pretty awesome battle scene in paris um 
And while they're doing that and while they're coming back, they just let the the pilots kind of chill in Village 3. Um, and Shinji is basically catatonic. Um, he's extremely depressed, having failed at his one attempt to being assertive and uh, accidentally triggering near third impact. Um, and then you have... Um, so he's like kind of beaten down. Ray, who has been revealed to not be the Ray Ayanami that Shinji thought he was saving, um, gets adopted by the village and put to work. Um, and she kind of has this innocent approach trying to learn what's going on. <laughs> um, what's going on, aka like how to li- how, how to, to how to life? Like what is yeah everything? You know, because Ray's big thing is always that she does whatever she's what or whatever order she's given because um you know ray is is really just a series of clones uh based on yui akari shinji's mother um and so this ray is just um a pilot for one of the uh, what are called vessels of adam which is a, a nerve eva unit um and so but this ray you know has a certain affinity for shinji um, and therefore wants to kind of figure out who Rei Ayanami is. Um, and I think that's one of the most kind of like endearing aspects of this movie. Because I, I complain a lot about, um, I do like the Godfather thing. <laughs> Look what they did to my Rey, uh in 3.0. Because that Rey is like kind of the most flat and, and worst version of Rey. Uh, which is saying something because I will I will admit that often Ray has no personality. Often. Um <laughs> by design. Um, but this movie really I feel like redeems the Ray character a lot in the from the rebuilds, um, by letting her kind of learn about different, you know, saying good morning, uh, how are you? You know, hello, goodbye, thank you. Um, interacting, learning how to read, learning how to plant rice, helping in the village. Um, mm-hmm. You know, initially the the pilots, well, initially Ray and Shinji are um, taken to Toji's house where it's revealed that Toji has married the class rep um, Hikari. Uh, original name Hikari. Hiroki, but I guess in this movie she's Hikari Suzuhara. Uh, they have a kid. They have a brand new baby. Um, her father is there, um, which, quick aside, we so rarely see actual parents in Evangelion <laughs> that um, on my second rewatch, one of my notes that I wrote down while watching it, I was like, there's an actual parent <laughs> present. Um, and at one point he scolds Shinji. Because uh, Shinji's just being like refusing to eat and and totally in his own head. Um, well, what do you mean by present? Well, because I mean, I, technically, he's there. Technically, technically, uh, Hikari Gendo is present. He is, but like, I mean, like, <laughs> I know what you mean. I'm just so. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hikari's father is an actual character who offers parental correction um, to um, one of the main cast. Like, well, you know, Misato is kind of like a pseudo-mother to Shinji. Um, Kaji is kind of like a pseudo-father. 
but they they tend to be more like buddy buddy in their uh, interactions like kaji never like directly tells shinji to like get his shit together um so it was just really interesting to see yes i agree um so you know after uh hikari's dad yells at shinji um kensuke shows up and he has a bottle of sake that he's been brewing um so they all drink and have a good time and then kensuke um in a in a beautiful echoing of his um help that he provides shinji when they're kids and hides shinji out in his like camp um he takes shinji back to his house his self-made house um where we discover that asuka also likes to hang out there um suggesting maybe kensuke and, and asuka are a thing um in this in the rebuild series um yeah you know shin go ahead uh, n nothing <laughs> so you know ray's off doing you know village stuff planting rice learning how to use a bath whatnot um shinji spends a few days not eating just being really catatonic um extremely similar to how he is at the beginning of the end of evangelion um where he's just kind of useless <laughs> um, and you know asuka gets really pissed at him one at one point and like tries to force feed him a tale is old um, as time. somewhat yeah <laughs> um you know asuka just gets pissed off that he's being so weak and so she lashes out but that makes shinji um he gets pissed off and so he leaves kensuke's place um and ends up walking to the ruins of the old nerve headquarters where he starts to hang out um, and where we get a little nice cameo, um, Pen Pen at some point uh, spawned additional generation of warm water penguins. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that a penguin can't live for 14 years. So I'm just going to say Pen Pen might be dead, um, but his progeny <laughs> live on. Yeah, I don't know how long penguins can live, but probably you're right. And but also uh, yeah. as a quick aside, it's like really irrelevant. Um I went to a bird only zoo, like a bird place, like uh, an aviary. I guess it's an aviary, but it's like a it's like a zoo. They call it a bird park. Yeah. Anyway, I went there oh, okay. and it's it was very warm inside. There's like an area where it's warm, and there they had uh -huh. a penguin exhibit in the warm area, and there's just like little what? penguins running around, and you can like look at them and stuff. That's cool. And I was like, huh. I guess there are penguins that don't need to be in the cold. <laughs> yeah, I think there are. Um, I feel like there is an animated, three D animated movie about penguins that surf. Uh, I could be wrong. There's, there's definitely one um, about penguins that dance. Called yeah, Happy, Happy Feet. Feet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like Guillermo del Toro produced Happy Feet. Is that, is, is, that real, is that a real is that a real i i don't want to make that claim um, i really hope that's he true is the, um some sinister undertones that i didn't realize were going on in, in Happy Feet. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah shinji he he wanders off and while he's just kind of mentally processing everything ray starts to make overtures trying to get him to engage um, and Kensuke does the same thing. They're trying to illustrate to Shinji that 
you know, while, you know, that near third impact was pretty devastating and has caused a lot of hardship, life goes on. You know, there was pain, but things move forward. And little by little, he gets this. Um, Kensuke takes him out with him on his work. Um, Kensuke is kind of like a go-between between um, this organization called Credit, uh, which is a branch of Villa that does humanitarian efforts. Um, I think really a necessary type of distinction, but it is a bit of kind of realistic things on how like an NPO would operate um, or an NGO would operate. Um, so in this, Kensuke takes Shinji to meet um, what I think is one of the really interesting twists and reveals in the story, uh, takes him to meet Ryoji Kaji, <laughs> who is the son uh-huh. of Kaji and Misada. Uh-huh. Totally, um, totally healthy naming choice, I thought. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't even know if he knows who his parents are. Um, because Misato stays away from him and Kaji is dead. So he might just not even know that he has his father's name. I mean, do you think that no one's told him or like explained to him his life? I I honestly don't know. It's like a small ring of people. Like I, I feel like you'd find out. Yeah. He's actually going to be the, there's like, he's the protagonist for Evangelion 2 after he figures out everything that happened. (laughs) Yeah. Eva 2, Eva more harder. (laughs) Um, yeah. So um oh a big thing that i skipped over so there's like this red plague that's covering the planet <laughs> i skipped this giant um, and point about i skipped a really important part the whole, so i'll go back the whole earth is dead <laughs> the dead earth yeah the whole earth is dead um and what what villa is doing is they have discovered a technology that can um kind of purify and reclaim sections of the earth and so the movie opens with this big action set piece in Paris where they're restoring the French branch of nerve so they can get um, equipment from it. And it's these big black pylons that glow red. Um, and so they're surrounding village three and keeping out whatever this corruption or um, what do they call it? Red plague. They is. call it some, I don't, some, there's some specific name for it. It's like the, uh, uh, <laughs> hold on hold on it's called like cor- oh yeah cor- um coralization so yes. but not like coral like the sea core like in the core of an angel or an they eva co- they kind of coralize coralize they crystallize but not yeah. crystal core coralize coralize yes um which is important and it'll make sense later um so villa is is enacting missions to prevent this from happening or at least safeguard certain communities. Um, and so that's why village three is safe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Shinji starts to get his act together. He's fishing. Um, that usually calms somebody down. Um, something that I wanted to just, uh, so, sorry, quickly. Um, go. No, yeah. Uh, now they call it village three. Do we know if it's the third village or if it's, um, just like, name named that way because it's right next to tokyo 3 i i think the naming is like a nod to tokyo 3 but they suggest that there is trade between other villages oh, that's true um yeah, okay so i think they are just 
designated as Village yeah, Street. Yeah, I forgot about that. Okay. Um, and kind of funny. We can. Well, I'll plant this flag, and we'll come back to it later. There are a lot of interesting similarities between the final Evangelion movie and Death Stranding. Yeah, that's true. Um, and credit and these villages being one of them. So, Ray is discovering her personality, and at one point, she asks Shinji for a name because everybody in the village in 3.0 Shinji tells this Ray that she is not Ray Ayanami. Um and so when she's asked for her name she says I don't really have one and so the villagers start calling her um Miss Lookalike. Um and because they all, you know, um Toji and uh, Hikari give her that name because they know the original Rei Ayanami, or at least they know an original <laughs> Rei Ayanami. <laughs> um, and so Rei asks Shinji, hey, can you give me a name? Um, I'd like you to name me. And Rei realizes that she's running out of energy. Um, her suit starts beeping at her, and she starts having, she kind of like passes out late at night. Um, and so she comes to Shinji to return, uh, his Gendo's media player, his like cassette player, um, and see if Shinji has a name picked out. Um, and Shinji says, you know, I don't have a name picked out. You really are Rei Ayanami. Um, and then the, the movie <laughs> delivers its real first like gut punch, um, cause Rei starts backing away from Shinji and, you know, acknowledges that, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that she wishes she could have done with her life. Uh, and then she pops like a balloon, <laughs> uh, into LCL. Um, cause apparently Rey clones, unless they're maintained, uh, at Nerve headquarters, they have a pretty short shelf life. Um, now we don't. Like yes, okay, yes, but th this could also be true for the other, right? Like, e like even in the original series, like I mean, it doesn't ever say mm -hmm. that or is not implied or anything. But even the original Ray, like in the TV series, was sometimes like in the LCL tube, yeah, like getting some maintenance by Gendo. Yeah, absolutely. So like, I don't know. It seems very logical and plausible that this was like something that happened all along. Yeah, I think so. I think that unless, um, yeah, unless she goes into those um, floating pools to chill out and get oddly ogled by Gendo, um, yeah, they they need some type of re restoration because their flesh is kind of weak. And you see, you know, in the original series, when um, does Masato de destroy the the all the rays? Because Kaji shows her. Or is it Ritsuko? I thought it was Ritsuko. It's Ritsuko. So Ritsuko destroys all the rays, um, and she just probably messes with like the pH of the tank or something. Yeah, and they all dissolve. Um, like, and they all disintegrate. <laughs> yeah. So um, at this point, Villa is ready to receive um, some information from the village and prepare for their final assault on Nerve um, because Nerve is starting to make moves too. Uh, Asuka and Shinji. Um, Shinji makes the determination that he wants to go with um, Villa 
and um he goes on board with oscar he goes on board with oscar you skip over the part well oscar's like okay i gotta here's how this is gonna work and she just tases him um so shinji does a lot of passing out and waking up in strange places which is his mo um he gets taken back on board the wonder uh he gets put under detention they (laughs) instead of putting another ds choker on him um they uh just put him in a in a cell that's lined with explosives because they think that's better (laughs) um you know he's confronted by sakura suzuhara who in 3.0 tells him don't pilot an eva um which he clearly does and she is pissed well everyone everyone Um, doesn't want him to do that like everyone everybody (laughs) like there's not one person who wants him to pilot the eva like they're like hey dude (laughs) last time you did that is really bad for all of us because of your uh like emotional immaturity so yeah don't don't do that again <laughs> especially after you were just like spent Stay half up. the anime of being catatonic and pissy for no reason well not no reason but uh yeah yeah um so he goes on board and then you know um mari is reunited with asuka um they apparently share a very similar explosive cell um although mari has spent uh, her time as um, Villa travels the world trying to resurrect areas. She's been collecting books. And so their apart, their like shared quarters is literally like 70% full of books. And they just live in a very tiny square. Um, you know, they get ready to go to combat. Uh, and, you know, gendo is starting to make moves and he um there's this thing called this, the black moon which appears at the end of um, 3.0 and um you know they start rising it up and they start transporting the nerve headquarters to a certain spot uh, basically they're all going to antarctica where second impact happened um so you know on the wonder misato and Ritsuko have a conversation where it's revealed that um Kaji sacrificed himself to stop the third impact at the end of Evangelion 2.0. Um, and he had also, he was also the one who, um, and this is in, this is a plot point in 3.0, but Kaji stole the wonder from nerve. Um, it's a ship that nerve designed for the human instrumentality project. Um, and Misato and Risco have a conversation about Kaji's real ambition. Um, not that he cared about, human life but that he cared about the biodiversity on earth uh and so what wonder actually is is like an arc for um samples of all the various vegetation plants you know flora um on the earth so it's full of seeds um which they promptly launch into space um as like they're gonna take the the ship into battle um so they they send off into space the the seeds of life from earth um, so that if they fail, that Kaji's mission will at least carry on. Um, yeah, good luck for those seeds to shit. like uh, prop- propagate yeah. on a red, dead earth. Uh, don't think that'll happen. I don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> it's the thought that counts. Um, or maybe someone super in the future will find them and, and do something with them. Isn't that um, how we got in this mess in the first place? Sending seeds out into the abyss? <laughs> this is what starts the... It, you know, Evangelion doesn't actually take place in a time loop. It just takes place in different uh, Earth-like planets yeah. where the seeds 
so how they different grow. <laughs> All, angels are actually watermelon seeds. Ah, um, <laughs> so I think this is um, something you pointed out, which is really cool, is you know, as Nerve and Villa go to go to battle, it starts with a with a naval battle, like almost straight out of spaceship Yamato. Well, yeah, they use this. Battle, yeah, yeah, yeah. They it's like a complete deliberate homage to Yamato. Yeah, like the the music, which the score is like pretty contemporary for the whole show, except for this one battle where it's totally seventies disco inspired, yeah. like. Like Yamato or like original Mobile Suit Gundam esque, like totally yeah. like groovy disco, like <laughs> like space battle music, and they just start having a classic space battle. And I'm like, oh, this is yeah. awesome. And, <laughs> and so um, the Wonder goes head to head with a sister ship designed in the same way, uh, but with a little bit more firepower. Yeah. Fortunately, though. Um, the Wonder has a superior crew, even though Fiyutsuki is kind of in charge of the other ships. Um, <laughs> the other ship doesn't have a crew so they, at all. They just have Fiyutsuki standing there yeah. in like a, I don't know, on a platform. It's all dummy plug system. Yeah. It's all a bunch of rays, honestly. Probably, yeah. Um, and unlike in End of Evangelion, where the dummy plugs are based on Kaoru's personality, um, in Rebuild, it's all rays. Uh, and so you have this Navy battle... Um, the wonder is equipped with a bunch of rocket propelled battle cruisers, um, as missiles. Uh -huh. So at one point, um, the wonder actually is going up against two, um, sister ships and, you know, they, they kind of crest around the black moon, get a get a lock on nerve and fire the barrage of battle cruisers turned into missiles, um, this barrage exposes um, unit Evangelion Unit Thirteen, um, which is kind of the the Eva designed to trigger Third Impact, um, which has been dormant because it has no pilots. Um, at this point, Mari and Oscar jump into action, um, and much like um, the the fight. Um, Oscar versus the the mass production Eva series um, in End of Evangelion. This is really the moment where it's like, okay, we're gonna take our two most competent fighters, and they are going to take on waves of the enemy. Um, and unlike the End of Evangelion, Ano isn't mad and depressed, so our heroes don't necessarily fail in their mission. Um, this is the first chance we get to see the rebuilt Unit Two. Um, which is rebuilt using parts for from the JA2, which uh, some savvy people on the internet have identified as being a version two of the jet alone. Um, so unit two has this kind of not so Eva looking battle armor um, that is extremely reminiscent of the jet alone and honestly looks really badass. I want to know who built the, the jet alone two? when did they build the jet alone two? how did they have time to build this who was it what how, how is yeah. it still in existence right now um i just i have so I'm, many questions about where it came from yeah uh i'm pretty sure go on the jet alone is a un 
well the jet unit right yeah it's like a un entity decides to like create this like joint thing but that's only in the tv anime it's not in the rebuild movies so i think it might just be a funny fun little Little homage homage. like just like the yamato thing just like having battleships be missiles (laughs) i think it's i think it's just like for otaku to be like haha i get it and then absolutely yeah so asuka and mari um go head to head against wave after wave of um headless eva units um and then you know they land and start to do some more hand-in-hand combat um against honestly what i would say are like the most hideo kojima robots (laughs) that we've gotten um in eva where um mari and asuka have to fight these um there's like a central ball joint and then two um eva arms one of which is wielding like a um a knife (laughs) and they they try to fight and they're like little and agile and they're really reminiscent of like some something straight out of um metal gear solid 4 yeah that's they look like those like black things in metal gear solid 4 Yeah. yeah um so they they go nuts uh, the whole point of the mission is for Asuka to take this um, kind of neutralizing plug uh, and stab it, you know, basically stake the heart of Eva Unit 13. Um, Asuka attempts to do this, and her own AT field, AT field stops her. So um, in another twist or uh, revelation that fan theories were very correct, um, Asuka removes her eye patch and yanks out a neutralizing plug from her own eye socket, <laughs> uh, which triggers um, the ninth angel, uh, which I think is the one that takes over unit four. Um, she has actually been infected by the same um, angel virus that the unit was infected in, um, which is why throughout the movie she wears a DS choker, um, DSS choker. And um, she voluntarily enters into like kind of a an angel berserk form um to attack unit 13 and plays right into gendo's trap uh unit 13 awakens brutally decapitates uh unit 2 ripping oscar's um entry plug out of it in the process and uh takes in oscar as one of the necessary components to continue uh, the human instrumentality project and bring about third impact. I just want to say, um, uh, how yeah. many times are they going to fall for Gendo's trap? He's constantly <laughs> well, like, few... uh, don't put the thing in the thing or else I'm going to win. And they're like, haha, we're going to do it. And we're going to stop you by doing this. And he's like, that's what I wanted. That happens like five times. Yeah. <laughs> well, Gendo is really propped up by master strategi- strategist uh, Fuyutsuki. No, but it's only um, one. It's a singular strategy that just keeps working. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, beta yeah, man. Yeah, just like with um, uh, Shinji and Kaoru at the at the you know in the second movie. Right. He's just like, if we have to put the thing in the thing, or else it's going to be bad. And then putting the thing in the thing was actually the bad thing. So that that keeps this keeps happening and 
Sure. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand how they're just like, are we are we sure we want to put the thing in the thing? Is that gonna start something or stop something? And you know, yeah. <laughs> they never have that question. They just kind of continue on. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, Mari gets bogged down fighting the little arm hoppy thing. She actually loses both of her um, newly reconstructed arms um, off of her unit. Which unit is Mari pilot? Nine? I don't know, man. There's too many units. I, I think it's nine. Uh, um, I can't keep track so, of So, <laughs> um, at this point, Gendo is like, you know what? I got this in the bag. I'm going to go rub my victory in the face of my former colleagues. So, uh, he flies. <laughs> um, you know, turns out Ano has uh, forsaken a bit of his humanity. Um, he flies over to the saying, the wonder. Keep saying, Sorry, always, this Gendo. happens. Has happened more. God, I always I've, do this. I, I, some kind of projection on your part. Where... <laughs> it it really is. So Gendo has forsaken a certain level of his humanity, um, and in the in the chaos that is Oscar losing the fight, um, the wonder is pinned down by um, the third sister ship, um, making their four in total. Um, four horsemen of the apocalypse for wonder class ships. Um, so Gendo goes and he flies to the surface of the wonder. Um, Misato and Ritsuko go to confront him and Ritsuko does the most badass thing ever without hesitation, plants a bullet right in Gendo's head. Uh, unfortunately, Gendo has, um, it looks like fused with the atom embryo. Uh, so he is part angel, and uh, he literally scoops his brain back up and puts it in his the the hole in his head <laughs> that um, Risco put there. Uh, you know, he confronts them and says, "You know, you're not going to be able to stop me. Um, I got this in the bag." He's there to recapture the wonder because he needs it to open the um, doors of Guff. Well, hold and, on. I thought he already uh, opened he also, the doors he, of Guff. Yeah. No, he's opening that. Well, how did he get the cyborg body? Because he has to. That was uh, there was some other ritual. They say the rites of something it... else. Um, really, I thought it was. I thought that was the doors of Guff opening. He opened the doors of Guff and it gave him a this weird body. No, it was. Uh, I think they like call it like the rites of Nebuchadnezzar or something like oh, that. Oh no, no, yeah, no, yeah. Um, he used the key of Nebuchadnezzar. To o- there but... we go. Which is the uh, the atom. But that's what he needs to open the doors of guff that's the key he needs the four ships because they simulate stuff yeah this part uh doesn't doesn't make any sense i will explain and uh but i don't feel like it's i will yeah (laughs) i think i'll explain in a minute why it it absolutely does not matter no no it doesn't Um, matter at all it's just like whatever so let them them say jargon and just keep keep watching yeah so he, he's there to retrieve Eva Unit 1. He needs Unit 1 and Unit 13 to accomplish his goal. Um, so he lands on the ship, and then um, a vessel of Adam crashes into the Wonder and takes it over, um, which is something you see uh, almost happen in 3.0, but it, it actually happens in this one, um, which unlocks all the doors. So Shinji is able to get out onto the deck and confront his father. Um, you know, Gendo brushes him off, ignores him again, climbs inside, uh, unit 13, which has consumed Asuka's, uh, entry plug and 
um, flies off to the anti-universe. Um, there's a long conversation on the deck. Um, Shinji says, I'm going to, I'm going to go after him. Um, and I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to end this. Um, Shinji really steps up and says, you know, I'm going to take responsibility and do this. Unfortunately, uh, there are not one, but two really pissed off people that absolutely don't want Shinji anywhere near Neva. Um, so one of the new um, Villa bridge crew, um, Midori Kitakami, uh, who's the pink-haired um, bridge personnel, uh, she threatens to shoot Shinji. And then Sakura Suzuhara, Toji's sister, and the one who was very adamant that Shinji never piloted Neva again actually tries to shoot Shinji. Um, Misato intervenes and in an absolute parallel to the end of Evangelion uh, is shot kind of in the, I guess, liver area um, on, her, on her right side. Um, and then there's a long discussion about, no, I have to do this, you know, don't try to stop me and they fire off some more bullets but no one seems to care about ricochets so everybody's fine um you know ritsuko has them get shinji's original plug suit uh, which apparently misato has been storing in her captain's quarters um misato and shinji have a very mature conversation um about what needs to happen and it <laughs> it's a very interesting um how it's an it's an interesting way to do their final conversation from end of evangelion um which is often cited as like the most inappropriate way to send someone off to die um you know in the end of evangelion ritsuko misato is like kisses shinji and says we'll we'll do the rest when you get back and pushes him into an elevator and he goes away and she gets blown up uh in this one they have a very mature heart-to-heart conversation shinji says that you know i met your son he's a great guy um I'm going to go take care of this. And Misato's like, okay, we'll back you up. Um, they hug. It's very nice and touching. Uh, and then Mari arrives from the weird blown up nerve headquarters where she's been fighting off those little hand guys. Um, <laughs> sends her unit into berserk mode, um, bites the arm off of the vessel of Adam attaches it to her unit which apparently is designed to be an overlapping model which means she can just kind of hot swap parts <laughs> i guess uh so she she kills that vessel they reclaim the wonder um and then mari grabs shinji to enter the anti-universe uh-huh. uh, and chase after gendo yes yes the anti-universe yeah the anti-universe um, that was always avail- available <laughs> in case you didn't know yeah it, it was there um and this is where it gets really kind of crazy. But essentially, <laughs> this is where it gets like, crazy. This is yeah. This is where it gets nuts. <laughs> essentially, what happens is, um, Gendo enters a a plane of existence to enact his additional impact plan, um, where he wants to, um, wrestle power from the gods that created the world. Uh, invest that power into humanity and create uh, a unified singular consciousness with all human souls. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a human instrument. That's his application of the human instrumentality project. Um, so he enters this 
um, conceptual zone called the anti-universe where for all intents and purposes, uh, physical bodies cease to matter. And it's really just a mental fencing that's going to happen between any two entities that enter this place. And so Shinji and Mari enter in unit nine and, um, you know, Mari can't get a lock on Gendo because he keeps having Unit 13 like teleport around. So there's no way that Mari is going to be able to fight Unit 13. Um, at which point Shinji's like, it's fine, I got this. Uh, and his, so one of these souls in, okay. <laughs> so uh -huh. in, in Rebuild 2.0, um, Shinji makes this effort to save his Rei Ayanami. Um, he does so, he rescues her, and he brings her into the cockpit of Unit 1. But, unfortunately, this triggers Third Impact, or the, the process of Third Impact, and much like in the original Evangelion experiment where Yui Akari is absorbed into the entry plug of Unit 1, Ray Ayanami is also absorbed into the entry plug. So Ray's soul is in unit one. Shinji throughout 3.0 and um, thrice upon a time demonstrates somewhat of a psychic link with this Ray Ayanami. So he says to Mari, he's like, I got this, it's fine. Hey, Ayanami. And Ray opens a portal between you know, Shinji and unit one. So Shinji steps through uh, and enters the cockpit for unit one where he confronts Gendo um, because Gendo in unit 13 is, is carrying around um, the torso of, of unit one because it's legs and arms are missing. Um, you know, Shinji takes over piloting unit one. Um, it's revealed that he has a, an infinite sync rate with unit one. Um, so he um, does that amazing resurrection thing where he regrows the limbs and he starts essentially dueling with Gendo. Um, and this, like, I was thoroughly enjoying the movie up to this point. And this is where it kind of, like, enters my, like, absolute yeah, joy. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh -huh. just like, from, from this point forward, I, um, I love the movie with, with no reservation. It's like the purest form. Um, a fan service for all yeah. the fans of Amy but Gaia. in but also in like a a non-pandering no, way that's I'm, I'm saying it's like the the ultimate form of, pan, of fan service yeah. it's just like yes <laughs> everything about this is the, yeah. is the great <laughs> so they start fighting and again like they're in a a theoretical space and so you know Gendo very clearly explains like you're just seeing stuff your brain is is adding structure to to things that have no structure. Um, so it, you know theoretically, Gendo and Shinji are, are experiencing their conflict in totally different ways. Um, but they start to fight. They go through. Um, you know they start fighting in the Evas, and it seems really weird in three D. And you're like, why are the buildings not reacting in in a realistic way? They're kind of like tumbling around like models. It, lo it looks like um, a CG and then anime. Gendo. From like 2005 yeah. just like really bad really bad and then gendo you know counterattacks unit one and throws um shinji across the city and shinji hits a backdrop 
and he falls off a stage and it's all revealed to be a sound stage um kind of something that you would have in like a tokusatsu or like a godzilla where it's like they were just guys in big rubber suits um and then they start kind of cycling through iconic scenes misato's apartment the, the classroom ray's apartment um but they're like they're too equally matched they can't um they can't best each other and it's revealed that unit one and unit 13 are a matched pair uh unit one is hope and unit 13 is despair and they're both necessary um to complete gendo's plan uh, and I think something really interesting here is it's almost suggested that Unit 13 possesses... I mean, it's actually... This is actually what it is. Unit 13 possesses Gendo's soul. Uh, and Unit 1 possesses Yui, Yui Akari, his wife. Uh, and his whole motivation for everything he's doing is that he wants to be reunited with Yui. Um, so he needs Yui and himself to, to complete the rites necessary for triggering uh, his additional impact and his pursuit of kind of godhood and uh universal consciousness um at this point shinji's like i'm done fighting i just want to talk to you um and i think you know because they're in a theoretical space i think his will shinji's will best gendo's um and also gendo like Yui is not on Gendo's side, so she doesn't um, allow him to continue with his process um, in the anti-universe. And so Shinji is able to confront his father uh, and we go into maybe the best execution of episode 25 and 26 from the original series where we get a full dissection of Gendo Akari. Why is he the way he is? Um, you know, it goes through his childhood and how he interacts with people and his likes and his dislikes and why he feels separate from everyone. Um, how Yui was a redeeming force in his life and why he loved her so much and and what like great pain he felt when she died. Um, and so Shinji, for the very first time, gets to understand his father. <laughs> as like a person uh, as opposed to just kind of this force that's been directing his life. Um, and at this point, you know, Gendo quite literally, or I guess theoretically and, and conceptually gets kicked off the train <laughs> and he's like put aside. He's like, okay, we're, we're done psychoanalyzing you. It's Shinji's turn. Um, Kaji and Kaoru kind of take over their souls emerge and, and start to discuss and dissect things. Um, and you get this period of introspection for the main characters, Shinji and Asuka, um, where it kind of analyzes, you know, their their thoughts and their feelings and, and where they want to go. Um, and once again, as Shinji has presented been presented many times and as it is revealed, um, you know, this is a cycle. These, these conversations and these events um, happen on repeat. Kaoru appears and he starts, he like laments the fact that um, he's forced to play this role time and time again. Um, and, you know, it's this direct confirmation that, you know, the Rebuild series is a cycle upon the Evangelion story 
that is a continuation or an extension of the original series. Um, and it's also kind of suggested that the other permutations of Evangelion, like the Evangelion manga, is also another cycle in this. Um, and at this point, you know, Shinji is faced with the choice of like, okay, how, what do I do? Because he controls the process for it. I totally forgot about Misato's sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah, you, really you skipped part. Here. There's a part with a big ray and um, a bunch of stuff happens. Yeah. I mean, that's like so much of it is set dressing, but you know, we get we get these things that are enacted in the end of Evangelion. You know, Gendo as he's as he's starting the third impact uh, or his additional impact, you get a giant version of Ray that appears. You know, he starts to try to consume all the souls on the earth. Um, and in one of the pivotal things, so there are two spears. There's the Lance of Longinus and the Lance of um, Cassius. And Shinji wields Cassius, which is called the Spear of Hope. Uh, Gendo has Longinus, which I suppose is the Spear of Despair. Um, and that's why they're, they're equally matched. And, you know, one of the things that's thrown around is that these holy relics offer the power to manipulate reality. Um, and so it's deduced, like Ritsuko and the crew of the Wonder get this dump of information from their interaction um, with the other ships, and they discover, like, oh, these ships have the components to make spears. Um, and they just kind of, like, Misato just decides that they are going to sculpt their own reality and create one more holy spear. Uh, and Misato sacrifices herself. She she has the rest of the Wonder Crew escape. Um, and using the spinal column from the Wonder, she crafts uh, a brand new spear um, and crashes it into the anti-universe and sends it to Shinji. Um, Mari shoves it through the eye of the giant ray. Um, I'm trying to think of what that spear is which called by right the now. Way, Gaius. <laughs> which, by the way, there's a giant ray. Yeah, by the way, there's a giant ray. Um, oh, there's just so much that goes on here. There is no concise way to explain this plot, but it is honestly very straightforward. I think if you yeah, watch you the movie... Yeah, you can follow what's going um, on. Like, you, as long as you don't get like yeah. hung up and lost on like words and what they're like calling yeah. everything like the, the narrative exactly. just at, is is really easy to see what's going on which i think is yeah is, is like a, uh it led it to be actually enjoyable to watch in the theater by me uh mm -hmm. even though i couldn't follow some of the dialogue and especially during the last half i had no idea what they were talking about in japanese but yeah it, it didn't really <laughs> matter because i I felt that I like pretty much consumed the intent of like what's going on because, because it doesn't right. matter. Like all these and words and things, it's just like, no, just what's happening on the screen is like pretty straightforward. Like that's what's happening. Yeah. And so the spear Gaius that Misato, you know, Misato enacts her statement that, you know, the miracles of men are, you know, better than the miracles of gods. Um, and so, that's how Shinji gets the upper hand in the anti-universe. He, he receives the spear of Gaius um, or the Lance of Gaius. And um, it's really just symbolic. It doesn't really play into anything, but it does permit him to make the decision about how he wants to shape the universe. And he decides to break the cycle. He's going to 
create uh, a neon Genesis, a, a new a new world devoid of Evangelion. Um, that's what he's going to strip from it this time. He's going to stop the repeating the cycle of Eva pilots and angels, and he's going to remove that aspect. Um, you know, and he's going to he acknowledges that you know pain happens in life, um, but we keep going. Um, you know, he's respecting Kaji's sacrifice and the desire to, to keep things um, diverse and unique. Uh, and so we end up back on the beach um, that you, that we also arrive at at the end of Evangelion. Uh, and this time, Asuka is, uh, she's no longer 14. She's aged the 14 years. Um, she's an adult. And, you know, she's allowed to get her introspective moment. She has discussions. Um, there's this really beautiful moment where Kensuke appears to her and says, you know, you can be whoever you want to be. You can just be Asuka, like be yourself. Um, you know, Shinji confronts Rei, um, you know, acknowledges her and they have the discussion about um, creating the world without, uh, you know, a neon Genesis, a new, a new era. Uh, and then, we get some really beautiful, you know, Shinji sits on a beach and he stares out at a calm, serene land or like horizon. Um, there's no more red life has kind of returned to the world he's built. Uh, and then Mari crashes in, um, or crashes out of the water in her unit or unit nine plus 10 plus 11 plus 12. Cause she's fused with the other vessels of Adam. Um, and she, jumps into the water and comes ashore and rescues Shinji and pulls him out of it. Uh, which then cuts to an adult Shinji at a train station. You know, Mari surprises him. We get glimpses of an adult Kaoru well, and Rei and Asuka. Skip the, um, yeah. the, the part where they stab themselves with a spear. Uh, oh, yeah. Gendo gets his, his connection with Yui. <laughs> but, <what>? So... Sh- <laughs> Sorry. Like, oh, so yeah, whatever. Shinji is going to sac- <laughs> Shinji is going to sacrifice himself. Um cru- like basically uh stab himself with the, you know, with the lance of Gaius um to create this new world, but Yui rejects him. She pushes him out into the sea of life um and takes takes that burden onto herself. Okay, by the way. And then Gendo Yui was there the whole yeah. time. We learned that at this point. Yeah. Um, she just didn't want to be present because she was waiting for them to to kind of come to these resol- revelations themselves. Uh, you know, I guess if there's one thing I wish, I wish Yui got the same treatment that Gendo does. But I guess in the original series, we actually do get an episode that's more of Yui's perspective. Yeah, in the original, we, we have no um, idea what Gendo's ever, like what his real true yeah. actions and motivations, like why he does what he does. Like, So it was nice yeah. to be like, oh, this is gendo talking i forgot how this sounds yeah <laughs> um yeah so then you know gendo and yui sacrifice themselves to create this new world um as the catalyst or the sacrifice necessary um blood on the wall um yeah and then you know mari and shinji run out of a train station together and that's the end roll credits cue utada hikaru song um yeah so like 
I have a hard time imagining a more satisfying conclusion to, you know, 20 years of Evangelion, like 20, 25 years of Evangelion. Evangelion. Yeah. And it's, you know, they're very clear. Like this movie, um, I think is a rather mature point for Hideaki Anno and the team at Studio Kara that built it. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of set dressing for everything. There's a lot of techno babble and pseudoscience and pseudo religious um, nomenclature, but it's ultimately it's super direct. You know, um, Shinji has to. He feels bad about what what he caused in 3.0. He processes those emotions. The people in his life are supportive and help him work through it. His friends come to terms with what happened and they make their own self-determination on how they want to proceed. Um, you know, he's forgiven by Misato. He, he reconciles with her. Um, you know, he confronts his father. He has a conversation with him. He starts to understand. He understands his father more. Um, he ultimately through the, the support of his friends, um, he wins the battle and he's able to correct things. Um, and maybe you should just cut that two minutes as like the summary <laughs> of the movie. Because um, it is, it's super straightforward. And like, it, it's also happy. Like this is, if you think about the end of Evangelion, the end of Evangelion is an angry movie. Yeah. Like, you know, Gendo got, yes, I fucking did it again. Ano got death threats for how Gainax handled the original end of Evangelion. Uh, and it's really well known that his approach to the end of Evangelion was, okay, I'm going to give you what I, what you want, but yeah, you're going to see the best Eva pilot Asuka take on uh, an army of enemies and be super successful, then she's going to get fucking destroyed at the end of that because that's what you deserve. Well, um, or I don't think that's super accurate because that was all planned out beforehand, before he got death threats, before all this. That was like planned for the original end in the first place. I think he maybe made it a little extra gruesome <laughs> um, and maybe played with their emotions a bit. Um, but there's definitely other stuff in the Avenue of Evangelion where he's like, he puts those death threats on the screen as things are flashing by. Um, you know, he wasn't happy with his audience, um, I think, or he wasn't, I, I, you know, he wasn't happy making Evangelion. He was in a really bad place. Um, and I don't think the end of Evangelion helped that so much. Um, and you know, you get that kind of amazing sequence in the end of Evangelion when um, it displays the empty theater as kind of the mirror to the people watching it, which is a really kind of aggressive thing to do to your audience. Um, you don't, uh, there's none of that negative energy in Thrice Upon a Time. It, it feels like a movie that is so much more at peace with its conclusion. It's like the ultimate... How do I say? Like it's like the ultimate conclusion, based on a mm -hmm. looping, looping 
like stream of consciousness that continues to like go around and round yeah. and round and round and then uh ultimately arrive at the at the at this outcome which probably yeah. parallels like the growth and development of a human being from from mm -hmm. you know if we we're like going to like represent Anno and like how this story plays out i guess the lack of maturity at the time of making the original becomes the driving force to create something like Evangelion in the first place. And then yeah. the spite, spitefulness of how it ends. And then, you know, growing as a person in life and coming to realize that maybe like it deserves another shot at, you know, telling the story mm -hmm. that you wanted to tell based on like new growth and new perspective like oh maybe i wasn't right about some of these things i should do it again and then seeing that whole uh like loop come full circle again to portray like a positive outcome based on new experience and new understanding of like the world around you and like acceptance of painful things that yeah. seems to be like the main focus is like accepting life's pain and life's emotional stimuli that mm -hmm. like cause you to be sad or happy and uh also teaching the audience <laughs> that it's okay to <laughs> not obsess over everything and, and you know yeah. it can just be a fun show that you like as an entertainment medium in your own real life and you can uh go outside now that it's over <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that is um it is such an interesting point. Um something that we've talked about is um one of the reveals um that isn't I don't think it's substantial to the actual overall plot of this movie, so I didn't mention it. Um this isn't some this isn't one of those plot points I forgot. Um it's revealed in this movie that at least in this cycle of the rebuilds um Asuka herself is a clone similar to Ayanami. Um she's called the Shikinami type. Um and you see at one point uh a collection of Asuka clones similar to Ray clones in the tanks. Um and I think there's a lot in this movie that is Ano trying to have a conversation with the more obsessive uh Eva fans or maybe just Otaku in general. Um, because it's like in calling Asuka a clone, um, I know that we, we might differ on this, so I, I'd love to hear your opinion on it, but I felt like in acknowledging that Asuka is at this point, uh, essentially a clone, um, it's a kind of Ano saying, Hey, look, I recognize that when Evangelion came out, we introduced a character type that people really got obsessed with. And now every show has an Asuka, um, it's these very interesting nods to otaku culture um, throughout this movie. And I, I think you're right. I think it's Ano trying to have a conversation with otaku and be like, hey, we got to acknowledge our faults and maybe look at other things. Yeah. I don't know how much, like, it's hard to speculate about how much it's like a direct meta kind of uh mm -hmm. like direct uh, like i don't know standing on the 
soapbox and telling a doctor what they should and shouldn't do. Like, I, 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 it, it seems like you can draw that conclusion and you can totally draw parallels and it mm-hmm. works as like a academic essay. But I, I wonder <laughs> like how much he's actually consciously trying to do that. Like to be like, yeah. Hey, you kids, you need to not take everything so seriously or you need to like stop obsessing over this stuff. I don't know. I think, I feel like it's not so deliberate. It's just like, that's how he feels. And it just works its way in to his attitudes in making plots. You know, he just, you can just easily draw a parallel because like, that's just how he feels naturally as a natural state. But, uh, I don't know if he's like actively being like, Hey, Oscar's a clone. And I created these, these archetypes and and introduce them into anime. And I want them all to be killed. I hear something, you know, some, something like that. I don't (laughs) think it's like that. I think it's just like, yeah, just like, I don't know, a passive sort of acceptance of, 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 you know, Mm -hmm. how it's built from since then. It is. It's super interesting because, um, Amazon, um, showed a, an abnormally in touch <laughs> approach to the release of Evangelion thrice upon a time. Um, and they paired the release with, uh, also releasing the rest of the rebuild movies and some documentaries about Hideaki Anno. Um, one is called, um, Hideaki Anno, the final challenges of Evangelion, which is an NHK documentary. Um, it's a two part, um, documentary following Anno through the creation and release of this movie. Um, and the other one is called Hideaki Anno and Hitoshi Matsumoto Fireside Chat. Uh, Hitoshi Matsumoto is a um, famous Japanese comedian and director. Um, and they just have, you know, it's two episodes, two 40 minute episode conversations they have. Um, and th- especially the NHK documentary. Um, really shows Anno kind of struggling with how to write Evangelion. Um, but also in the fireside chat, he admits that, or he, he states that there's like no such thing as a true documentary. Um, well, he, because on one hand, he's, he, what, what was that? He says this in the, in the NHK one as well. He has a great quote about yeah. documentaries, which I, love that's my favorite thing he's ever said well that's not true but it's a really good i was like oh that's awesome i never thought of that but i now agree yeah he's like you can't have a documentary because the the subjects first and foremost the person making the documentary is going to edit it and that's going to distinguish it from real life um but also you can't like i act for the camera and he acknowledges like several times when talking with matsumoto that he's like yeah i'm just acting this way for the camera Um, And so I think that that shows his hand as like a very um, deliberate and conscious individual. Um, So it's rough because Anno um, is in the same kind of generation and ilk as someone as like an Imaishi or the folks at Studio Trigger where um, they don't talk about their work and they don't acknowledge whether or not there was authorial intent in some of the stuff they do. Mm-hmm. Um, which on one hand is kind of frustrating <laughs> because it would be great if we could just have Anno be like, yeah, 
Ray was a clone because I was basically copying the princess from the castle of Cagliostro as a character type and like this like damsel in distress in distress moe anime character um that Miyazaki gave us um and so now that Asuka is the prototypical um Tsundere character uh we'll just you know I, she's a clone now too obviously like it'd be great if you would just come out and say that but we're only left with this I my ambiguous uh, non-discussion of the themes and topics of the show. I think that it's it would be a disservice if he did something like that because I think I think totally. the whole point is like and he says this in the documentary like uh, in the in the documentary he he states like uh, if I if if you read the script and you don't get it I have failed as a director like i failed yeah. and i'm going to rewrite it again so that you get it and you know the people around him are like can you just tell us what you mean and he's like no no i cannot <laughs> do that you have to read it and get it or else i failed and so like he's adamant about that yeah. and i think that attitude plus just kind of like disengaging with the medium or with the with the work after you're mm -hmm. done making it and be like okay i made it next thing is the beauty yeah. of it it's just like it, it can mean whatever you want he, like it doesn't matter like just take 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 it however you want to take it like that's the point yeah and that that is kind of a really powerful moment in the nhk documentary when he's finally they finally done with all the work and he screens the movie for the first time for studio cara um he walks out of the theater he introduces the movie he walks out uh, and he goes and sits in his laptop and he starts working on some other project, which is probably, probably Shin, Ultraman. Shin Ultraman or Shin Kamen I know, and then I love, they ask him, um, they're like, hey, what are you doing? Like, do you don't want to watch? And he's like, no, I never watched it. I never watched it after I'm done. Like, I just move on to the next thing. Yeah. Like, what, what a badass. And <laughs> like, I think you're right. I think that um, something that this movie really unlocked um, is something that a lot of people have said about Eva over the course of the years um the religious iconography that eva uses is nothing more than an aesthetic uh collection of things like if you chase any of the um meaning behind the like calling it the lance of longinus or um the door of guff or the uh golgotha object um, if you look at any of those things, yes, there's like a shallow surface level, um, parallel to what they represent in the show. But the reality is, is that they're just kind of like, um, they sound cool and they look cool. So therefore we use them. Um, and at the surface level of the rebuild movies, I think there's a very straightforward, easy to follow plot. Um, I think the points the movie makes about accepting pain, I think you said it really well, you know. It happens. Um, you you got to feel it and then move on. Um, those things are all there at the surface. I wonder if um, this is just a, my random theory, but I wonder if some of this is like uh, deliberate punishment for people who get lost in the details. <laughs> like don't yeah. like you're not supposed to worry about it. But if you do, you get trapped in this like agonizing trying to figure it out, and like that's what you deserve mm -hmm. if you're not willing to like back up and just take everything as it comes yeah absolutely i do 
I think you're kind. Of, I think you're right. Um, if you dive too deep, I do want to give so much credit to Studio Kara and the entire team that worked on this movie because there is a ton in it where, like, like us, you know, we've seen the series so many times, we've seen the end of Evangelion so many times. Um, this movie is littered with homages and allusions and direct references, uh, indirect references. There's like, you know, it, you know, we watched it with friend of the show, Ken, um, who's actually, he's seen bits and pieces of the original series, but he hasn't seen it all the way through. And I don't think he's seen end of Evangelion. Um, so he still got it because he had binged watched all the rebuild movies and he was fine. Self-contained. It's totally fine. But you and I were watching it and, things would stand out to us where it's like, Oh wow. Um, you know, what's a really good example. Um, well, like, I mean, like the gentleman the gen- thing, you know, that doesn't, you, yeah. Cause it's not in the rebuild or just simple um, things like the big Ray or like being on the beach. Like, like, Oh yeah. Th- th- the beach. That's, I mean, the simplest using line art, um, the music notes. Yeah. All that stuff. The, you know, when Shinji confronts Ray, his Ray, um, long haired Ray, you know, there's a projector playing between them and it's it's sequences. It's literally like the title sequence from um End of yeah, Evangelion. Like he says, like, it's a neon genesis, and it's like the the, the actual yeah. it's like I love it. It's it's a little bit breaking the fourth wall kind of thing. I mean, like, <laughs> this is cool. And yeah, and and something to really point out for um for folks who hear them say, even in Japanese, if you're watching the, the dub version, they probably just say Neon Genesis as well. Um, it'd be really funny if they said, it's a Shinseki. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but the the Japanese title for Evangelion, Shinseki uh, Evangelion, that's translated into English as Neon Genesis yeah. Evangelion. Um, and in Japanese, they just say the katakana word Neon Genesis. Um, yeah, stuff like that. And I, I feel like there is a certain level that it plays with. Um, there is something that I find kind of actually interesting going on. Um, and this is, you're going to tell me, don't chase the <laughs> rabbit here. But um, the whole anti-universe thing and that construct of like, this is all just theoretical and, you know, we're just projecting our reality. Um I'm really, and this is probably rooted in Evangelion, but I really like the aesthetics of magic. <laughs> like, no, no, hear Hold me on. out. I gotta, I gotta um, write down. The, and, I gotta write down. That's the title of the episode. <laughs> oh, the aesthetics of magic. Um, like, I don't. I hold no belief that magic is real. That you know, people can can cast spells or, or work things like that. But I do find the aesthetics of it interesting and um, cool. It's like a visual style that I like. Um, and through that exposure, there's this concept called chaos magic. And, you know, there's... I don't want to dive too much into it because you start sounding like a rambling crazy guy, but you know, there's these things, right hand path, magic, left hand path, magic, um, chaos magic is this idea that our minds are powerful 
conductors of uh of magical forces right and what we have to do is we have to bind those forces to some some type of schematic or some type of discipline to make spells work right and so what i found really interesting watching evangelion is i almost feel like um ano recognized that through evangelion and through just a more globalization of fandom and um, the exposure of japan to more global ideas the base level christian judeo-christian iconography that the original series used wasn't going to work and so i think ano pulls in a lot of you know these more um esoteric cabalic i mean there's a lot of cabalic in the end of evangelion but um even more left field concepts around like spiritualism magical thinking yeah. and spiritualism yeah and so this like anti-universe thing and this idea of like oh you know we're just projecting our reality and this is what we can conceptualize it was like oh this is like if i wanted to read too much into this this is like ano talking about you know chaos magic and he's just put the the structure that he needed to work like um gendo uses you know he has all these different rites that they're performing to start the additional impact and obtain godhood it's a very like chaos magic way of approaching things where it's like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna use this ritual and bend my will to it to enact this thing um but you're totally right none of that matters <laughs> because the story like ano tells the story he wants to tell on the surface level and it's when you start pursuing all of these things where it's like I want to give them credit because Ano and, and the other directors that worked on this movie are very smart um, people. Like they know what they're doing. They have artistic intent. Um, maybe some of it is subconscious. You know, they're they're just bringing in things they think are cool. They're going to do Operation Yamato yeah, yeah, um, and reenact a battle like that. But also you're right. If you start digging into those things you're just going to spiral and get stuck down there and you're going to miss the beautiful points the movie makes. That's yeah. That's ultimately what I, what <laughs> I think is the, the point. Uh, it's yeah. I don't know. I don't know about this chaos magic, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's yeah. I think it's like blatantly making the point at the very end, just like, especially with like imaginary Evangelion. <laughs> exactly where you're like okay <laughs> i see what yeah and what he's trying to tell us a little bit <laughs> yeah and that's why i didn't even bring that up in the plot discussion because like this ultimate thing at the end this imaginary evangelion is it's not even necessary to the plot that he's trying to say it's more of like um hey you guys have all built this up in your head so much but it's fake yeah like you, you know this is fake, right? This is literally imaginary. Yeah, like don't go stab people in Akiba. Like it's not worth it. Yeah. It's this is just a, just a movie, just a movie I made. Okay, that's kind of the vibe I got. Like at the end, where yeah. I'm like, yeah, he's just freeing us from it by outright 
using this kind of symbolism to to demonstrate yeah. it. Yeah. Which. And he gives us the cool. key. He gives us the key. It's up to you to unlock the 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 doors of Guff. Your shackles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Undo your your own and like um this has been you know kind of it's made its way around the anti-twitter sphere but um i really think people should watch the final challenge of evangelion um because you get to see uh, a bit about ano's wife um da, 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 <laughs> yeah that, who is a, she's a famous mangaka she's a famous mangaka and author um moyoko ano um and perhaps the most interesting person uh in the world is more interesting than Anno because someone who can yeah. love and be with Anno is yeah. perhaps more interesting than Anno himself. And like, you know, I think one of the things that maybe Anno didn't, he's a very calculating individual. So maybe he did intend for this cipher to be out there in the world, but you know, his wife is um, the inspiration for Mari <laughs> in Eva. And, you know, Mari ends up as someone who kind of sticks sticks through it to make sure that Shinji's okay and ultimately pulls Shinji out of his isolation. Um, and, you know, there's... It's really hard to deny the you know watching the final challenge of evangelion when you see ano doing the location scouting in the train station that you see at the end of the movie um paralleled with you know shinji sitting exactly where ano sits being pulled out of the station by mari um and i think that's just really interesting um like damn man you spent you know 14 years telling the story that ultimately ends in you just being like, Hey, I love my wife. <laughs> uh, which I think is like really cool. Um, it is an interesting like moment where he's not so secretive about it. Um, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. I mean, maybe that goes back to the, what I was thinking about as like the interpretation of the ending where it's like reject reject the clone like dedicating your life to these 2d clone girls and like mm -hmm. choose real life and that's yeah that's, that's the end of the whole thing like go, go with a real person like a real human being who has emotions and thoughts not like these clones of characters it it's almost like it really makes me want to like rewatch all of Evangelion, but it's almost like, no, that's not the point. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's the opposite of the point. It's like the antithesis <laughs> of what it is. <laughs> uh, I think it's extremely satisfying and I couldn't think of a more perfect way to end all mm -hmm. of Evangelion. Like it's, it made its impact. Like, it wasn't a flop. It wasn't just like, well, this is kind of annoying. It yeah. was like, dang, that's good. That's It's making us talk about it, and it's making us think about it, and that's all that you can mm -hmm. ask for. I, Yeah, I have literally been thinking about this movie for, like, two weeks straight. 
yeah. it doesn't help that the soundtrack for the movie is on Spotify. Um, search for the composer's name, Shiro Sagisu. Um, it's in the title of the album. Um, oddly enough, his name um, is generally written in uh, Romaji on Spotify. So you can find all of his, like most of his albums that he's worked on, um, like a lot of Evangelion stuff, um, SSSS, Gridman, stuff like that. Um, you can find it by using by just searching Shiro Sagisu um, in English um, in Spotify. But unfortunately, you can't find this album because for whatever reason, they put his name in kanji for this one. Um, but it's amazing. Like the, the music in this movie is phenomenal. I just had a thought <laughs> just kind of randomly hit hit me uh, when Oscar's on the beach and she like. I think she's on the beach when she says this, that they they discuss like how uh, she Shinji used to like Asuka, but mm-hmm. now doesn't. Right? Like that was in the past. Yeah. And um, Asuka goes with Kensuke now. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I'm sure this is not the intention. Maybe it is, but um, is Ano saying that like, yeah, back in the day when we we're all super weeby otaku you're supposed to you're supposed to like asuka but now save it for the otaku <laughs> like uh like kensuke des- deserves Os- asuka and like me <laughs> as a real person who's I, broken through i'm gonna go with my wife and leave evangelion behind that is an interesting observation <laughs> i had not even put together the fact that kensuke is an otaku in the world of evangelion well right he is like and asuka ends up living with him and you know kind of having this interesting relationship with him like like shinji's like yeah i reject that i i'm gonna move on Mm -hmm. but like you belong with the the otaku (laughs) yeah damn yeah, I think you might be right. I mean, I think that there is an actual bond that Kensuke forms with Asuka. Well, sure, like, um, and I in the real story. In the st- and I think sense. that's based in Kensuke being such a um, just a good person, active force in helping humanity. Because Asuka says yeah, at one point she doesn't interact with Village Three because she's there to protect it, uh, which is a way of safeguarding her own emotions, um, but also. Kensuke serves a similar role where he is facilitating the protection of Village 3. Um, so I, I think there's a bit more there, but also it is extremely amusing that the actual otaku in the universe ends up with Asuka, who is like the otaku bait, ultimate otaku bait. <laughs> yeah. That's what I just, I just realized this now. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, that's all i got that's all my revelations (laughs) um i had an interesting one that um as i was checking things before the episode on um an evangelion wikipedia um i'm not the first i'm not this is not an original thought apparently um others have had it but um i find it very interesting that the crew of the villa um is or the crew the soldiers in villa dress very similarly to the soldiers that attack nerve in the end of evangelion um 
yeah they have very similar like skin tight suits and the like bulletproof vests um it's very apparent when you see misato um after she's shot um i was like oh damn these look exactly like those outfits um and it's kind of interesting because Villa becomes the anti-Nerve force in this rendition of Evangelion, whereas those soldiers that attack Nerve oh, yeah. technically are the anti-Nerve force. That's interesting. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. They, they just become... They take on the role that the UN did in the original. Yeah. Like, yeah. you gotta stop this. I... <laughs> uh, interesting. There's so... The other thing, like, the, I've told this story numerous times, but I have seen the end of Evangelion probably over two dozen times. Um, and there's so many cool, brief visual allusions to the end of Evangelion. Um, there are some, like, outright, like, big ones, like the projector showing the opening. Well, I think, um, I feel like, but I feel like, like Ray is the, the biggest and most obvious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> physically the biggest. Um, but even when Ray appears, you get, like, a a three quarters shot from behind where the um, like the wave pattern appears in the sky, um, which is really cool. Or like the wings that come out of the, um, the four ships are very similar. Um, there's like a brief image of the tree of knowledge. Um, there's so much cool stuff that's like scattered throughout here. So it is like a visual feast. Like I'm so happy. I'll probably watch this movie thrice upon a time um, several more times. Um, unfortunately, I, I probably would have watched it a third time before this recording <laughs> if I had the time to do well, it. Well, I hope that like a DVD or a Blu-ray version is released with like, yeah. just, like a little bit more uncut. They usually do that, like mm -hmm. a 3.33 plus 1.11. Yeah, that would be really cool. Equals a 3.33 plus 1.11. Equals 4.44. Yeah. Do dollar sign and bar graph parenthesis yeah <laughs> some some stupid <laughs> combination of symbols <laughs> man so good yeah. i i really want like i want like model kits like i really i would love to get the unit two um ja variant um i guess the one like if Ah, no, we do get an extended battle scene with Unit 1. Like, Unit 1 spear fights Unit 13, and it's so cool. Um, there really is nothing that's, like, missing in my mind. Like, I wish... Like, we even get... Um, like, Ibuki and Hyuga, um, the the Nerve crew guys, the new, the Nerve, um, you know, bridge, bridge people, they're not in it so much. Oh, sorry, Ibuki's in it. Um, Aoba and Hyuga aren't so prominent in this but um you know maya ibuki gets to say like the iconic line um this is why i don't like young men um you know we get amazing i think we get the best version of every character um in my mind that's exemplified by the fact that ritsuko when she confronts ano her former lover uh she just shoots him where in the end of evangelion like, she can't bring herself to do it. Uh, he gets that, like, cutoff line, the truth is, and then he shoots her. Um, in this one, she's just like, no, I'm a battle-hardened badass. I'm just going to shoot you uh, twice. Yeah. It's, um, well, it's also 14 years removed, whereas in the original, sure. it's like this. They were, they were active lovers at the time. 
right um you know we get i feel like we get the best version of misato you know she's a confident capable leader um she has that mature interaction with shinji uh you know asuka shows a lot of growth um she does kind of flip out at shinji but she also like simmers down and she you know is competent in battle and she's also a mature person <laughs> yeah um 28 <laughs> 28 mentally yeah. <laughs> as might be the case um yeah i just think everybody's great in this movie i think every, it, it fires on all cylinders it's a it's a 10 out of 10 it, it's like, as if I uh it. evangelion is a singular visual novel with with multiple mm-hmm. endings and paths and and this mm-hmm. this tree was like the the true end the true end the true good yeah, end. true good end yeah if you think about like um yeah that's a really good way to put it and especially damn that's a really good way to look at it um you know like the original series you might consider like a um it's a good end but it's like very cerebral end of evangelion is a bad end um i i, I always you know. think end of eva is like very hopeful end <laughs> i guess but it's like like you don't get to see it leaves a lot more hanging yeah you don't get like, to see it all like unfold it being yeah. good but uh i always thought it you was hope- well it turns out it wasn't that hopeful now that we've seen this yeah but because uh, <laughs> we had to do it at again the time you I thought it was. you yeah, you brought up a really interesting thing when we first talked about the movie. Um, it's it's totally possible that the end of Evangelion is like the first loop, is the first start of the loop. And that's where Shinji gains the ability to cycle um, the timeline. Because, you know, that's where the series always tends to end. <laughs> it ends on that beach. Um and so that's kind of almost like Shinji looping back there. And, you know, I kind of think that that might hold water um, in the sense that Shinji ultimately takes over control of instrumentality. Um, you know, he gets the Lance of, of Gaia, sure, to, to alter it again. But he kind of, you could almost say that that Lance allows him to modify it to a greater extent than he's ever been able to before. Um and so maybe he is the one that ultimately always wrestles control and, and controls the, the process of going back and trying to do it right. Um, you know, he can't run away from it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like the uh, number one evidence for the the looping is the fact that we see Ray in the first opening seconds of both mm-hmm. <laughs> alluding to that, like, okay, try again <laughs> yep <laughs> and um or just like kaoru looking at the different coffins that he's awoken from stretching well, you know like to and from shinji's like on the phone in the very very first episode and you know she oh the yeah, birds yeah, yeah. Fly away and you look over and there's ray and then she goes she disappears that's, yeah to me that oh. evidence is that like that's the point at which it loops mm-hmm. and then it also makes me believe that the even in the original series that wasn't the first time around mm, interesting yeah but interesting. who knows 
it never explains why they just you see ray there like flashing for a second yeah so in my mind i'm like okay that must be the point like where it all starts like the new the new yeah. re redo and then uh interesting because you um shinji sees ray again like that in this um in, in rebuild in, in rebuild, the very first yeah. movie because it's like shot for shot the same as the original right right i i actually met in thrice upon a time um we get a He's, he's sitting in the ruins of, of Nerve and he stares across the water before oh, and Ray, and um, think, the, yeah, the new Ray approaches and he sees the old Ray. Oh. Interesting. So then maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. I guess we're going to have to watch it again from the top. I guess so. Maybe that's my only <laughs> like remaining question is like what the actual intent and implication was of seeing Ray in the very, very beginning of the, of the series and also the movies. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, was it a vision? Was she actually there? Is it all an illusion? Like what's going on? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that makes me think about, um, like clearly. So if we think of Ray as a vessel, um for some some clone or fragment of yui's yui kari's soul um because she's she's cloned and, and created in yui's image um maybe there's some connection between shinji and rei i mean there is a connection between shinji and rei for that fact and so maybe that's a component of why he can see her like that um something i absolutely love about the conclusion of this movie is Gendo's realization that you know his his dead wife was present in his life the entire time had he taken the time to engage with their child like yeah you know the best components of Yui lived on in Shinji yeah and he just ignores it because he's so hurt he can't see that yeah um which I absolutely amazing Which i feel like is a very very uh, real revelation uh like human like so, like obviously something like this has happened in his life <laughs> yeah. like it's very obvious like that's a super real psychological thing that would happen yeah and man there's so much good so many good revelations in the final challenge of evangelion um especially because ano talks about his father um, who lost uh, his leg in a in an accident, um, and he talks about, you know, how because he was raised by his father, who was really resentful about, you know, losing a part of his body um, and losing it because of, of something that he didn't deem as his fault. Uh, it was an, it was the mistake of another person. Um, Ano like admits to loving to draw, loving to draw incomplete robots or or damaged robots uh things missing arms and legs um which is something you see throughout eva like constantly yeah. um it's really there's just so much it's i think it's a very um something else we talked about when we, we debriefed from our first viewing is like um this is almost like anna without pretense or without um any like 
any true arrogance in execution. Like he's he's done with that. He's done with the almost to a certain extent. He's done with the mystery. He's very open about who he is, what story he's trying to tell, um, <laughs> and that's a cool thing to see. Very open, uh, aka. Yeah. <laughs> You have to still guess a lot of it, but yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like... Well, yeah, he. I feel like he's not that open now that I'm thinking about it. Because the docu- in the documentary, he, uh, like, with his words, explains how he's trying to de- demystify it. Yet, yet mm-hmm. he just, like, continually tells them, Hey, don't don't film me. Don't look at this. This isn't interesting. What I'm doing isn't interesting. Even though like it's the most interesting shit possible. Like he's like <laughs> figuring out how to like live play out the scenes in a live way and like looking at the angles and like I want to see what Anna's doing. Like he's like yeah. faux storyboarding in real time with with actors, like mo mocap actors. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, what is he doing? And he's just like, no, 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 go away. This isn't interesting. I'm just doing something in my mind like don't worry about it and you're like no this yeah. is what i want to see <laughs> you crazy person <laughs> there <laughs> it is really interesting um there's an omission he makes about um just the modern process of making animation and what studio Kara does is they do a lot of um pre-design work up to almost like a final edit stage in really rough um, 3D rigging, uh, which was fascinating because like he spends so much of that documentary and so much of the process of making Evangelion, like editing these really rough looking um, 3D renderings for the animation. Um, And then, so they get it to like a near complete stage and then they animate the whole thing, which is nuts but also probably apparently more cost effective because it's easier for them to adjust those rough riggings than it would be for them to reanimate a whole section. I wonder if it's the cost. I don't know about the cost. It's probably a little bit time savings, but it's also like Anno says in this documentary, like he admits that he's not good at visualizing it Mm. well in his mind. So Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to do a storyboard. He wants to like, see it from every angle and spin the camera around himself and like look look at it find the interesting, fi- find the interesting angle in each scene yeah so like i think that's just his approach he would rather just like have it all have the action happen and then have it captured in complete 3d yeah so you can go back and he look says, at it in every angle and see where the interesting parts are yeah absolutely he um he says something interesting in his in that fireside chat. Um, he talks about how when you're just a director, you can kind of be a spoiled brat and and do things um, how you want. But in for the Evan rebuild movies, he became a producer. He's a producer and the director, um, which he was like, oh, I had to be an adult about how I approached everything. I couldn't just go with my what my way was. Like I had to. I had to work with others. I had to think about the money, like all these different things where he's like, I had to be much more responsible in making these movies. <laughs> yeah. The money part, that's for Gynax to figure out and like imbe- embezzle <laughs> or whatever you need to do to get the money. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, what a tarnished reputation. I, you know, I think, I wonder how much of the more positive, um, 
feeling around the rebuild movies can be associated with Anno no longer working at Gainax. Um, Cause just the further away he gets from that studio, the worse the husk of a, of that, of Gainax becomes like just well, I don't know if, it's what we learn about them gets worse and worse. Yeah. I don't know if that's 100% true. Like obviously, yeah, there was those scandals and that was dealt with, but the, the remaining people seem to be like trying their best to like restore the reputation. Mm. And they're working on that sequel to wings of Onyamis and they're like hard at work being like, Hey, we're not irrelevant. We'll they see. changed their name to studio Gaia. Oh, right. Right. Well, that was the, that was like the Osaka branch, wasn't it? No, the Sendai branch. Sendai branch. Yeah. They were, well, it was Gainax, yeah. Gainax West. No, Gainax East. That was their name. And <laughs> yeah. The Tokyo one kind of like folded and then they like changed their corporate name to Gaina. And now they're Gaina, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. They have a weird history, but like they, they really yeah. tried to like be like, hey, we're cleaning house and making it, making it right. So yeah. We'll see what they come up with. I don't think they've produced anything yet, but they're working on stuff. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, definitely don't want them to be the tarnished reputation forever. But it's it's just interesting to me, like, you know, there's a lot. Uh, I've heard and read a lot about just the work environment for Anno not being the best when he was actually making Evangelion. Um, sure. And so I just wonder, like, given time, distance, and, like, clearly because Kara is his, he's the president of that studio, um, you know, he can kind of dictate to a certain extent how they go about things. Um, I just wonder if there was like less pressure or maybe like fewer people making demands on his process. Um, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. come on. If you're working at Kara, you're not going to be like, oh, no, you can't do that. Who's going who's gonna <laughs> to say that? Nobody's right. going to say that. It's no. up to Ano himself to limit what kind of weird stuff he does just based on his own like conscientiousness about the others around him mm -hmm. that's that's it that's the only limiting factor no one's gonna tell him not to do it especially like in that documentary he'll he'll like begrudgingly try to collaborate and then ultimately reject everything that everyone tries to give him yeah. and then like make the editors like do all this work all over again yeah i i appreciated that um you know he he tells the documentary crew like hey go go film everybody else and and get find out how I'm like my behavior impacts them. And, you know, to the, to the credit of his, the people that he works with, they, they provide some honest um, observations about what it's like to work with Anno. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like yeah. the uh, interviews with out, people outside of his circle, like the Miyazaki. He's just like, he, like, yeah. he's fucking crazy, dude. He like stu studied <laughs> nuclear blast footage for like three weeks and then, <laughs> and then drew all these explosions yeah. for me. <laughs> sounds. You'd sleep under his desk with his feet sticking yeah. out. Yeah. Sounds like I, I like. I like also where they're like, yeah. Since he's vegetarian, he starts to smell like a weird animal because he doesn't like to shower, but he doesn't like stink. He just smells like a weird, like organic yeah. mass, like living in this place. <laughs> oh man, I am. I'm so happy that we got it in a timely fashion. Yeah. Me too.
and now it's over now it's over i i think i'd be satisfied if there was never a new new piece of evangelion yeah that's ever. fine i mean but I, the one exception i would make and i we've had this conversation before is if hideo kojima wanted to make the video game interpretation of eva <laughs> i'd be down with that that that's the one thing i'd be like okay this is this is cool by me because i think he's the only video game director that could do it no i agree with you that he's the only video game director that could do it and i agree it would be cool but i don't want it if i saw that was announced i would be like <laughs> damn it no i want original things it's i want over. original works from kojima and from ano i yeah. want new properties new things that are interesting i agree Although, I mean, the unfortunate thing with Anno is that it's going to be Shin Ultraman next and then Shin Kamen Rider after that. Yeah, but that. luckily, so, film, uh, like, Toho isn't going to be, like, as uh, flexible about how fucking long he can take to make these movies. So, yeah, he, so he can <laughs> He says it. that um, in the Fireside chat, he says he's done with animation for a while. Um, it takes him twice as long to make an anime as it does to make a movie. Um, and you can make movies so much faster. Yeah, because he just films it and it's done. You don't have to like, yeah. you don't have to like, <laughs> uh, mocap it all out and then look at it and study it yeah. and decide which angles to use and then, uh, then animate it on top of that. Like after he does all the yeah. f- actual principal filming, he can just edit it and it's done. It's already there. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. That we live in this world. It's very that good. We have uh, completed <laughs> Ava, and we we didn't die before it ended. So that's great. Yeah. Which yeah, uh, certain fandoms are not are not going to be so lucky to to get the conclusion of their their big thing in their lifetime. Well, so I I feel very fortunate and, and grateful that uh, Anno finally put an end to Evangelion. Well, he had one chance. Uh, all he needed to do was never make the rebuilds and we would have had it like it would have been done also but uh, do you th- do you think that that's interesting do you think the rebuilds um were it not for them do you think eva would still have the um brand force that it has in japan or do you think that brand recognition pushed the creation of rebuild yeah it's impossible for me to tell or understand or know because i never visited japan during the time Mm. before before yeah uh rebuilds were a thing and i never and i didn't visit japan like right when rebuilds were like coming out. So I never saw the transition between no rebuilds announced gotcha. and then the first one <laughs> was released. Like, you know, I don't know. So I don't know how it was impacted. I assume mm. that yes, it obviously had to have made some kind of impact because you know, there's stuff, there's merchandise available everywhere to this day. Right. Uh, but I don't know, the original song is always used in stuff so (laughs) i don't know just don't know i'm happy we got it (laughs) yeah yeah i agree because uh, you know i probably didn't 
I probably didn't view End of Evangelion as like I I didn't dislike it as a conclusion to the series. I thought it was a strong way to conclude the original series. Um I think the closure we're given with Thrice Upon a Time is more holistic, happier, and ultimately better than the the first conclusion with the end of Evangelion. Um, I don't want to make comparisons between them as films. I think they're very different films, and they both... Um, I wouldn't place one above the other but i do like being in a world where thrice upon a time is the ultimate end cap on eva okay well now that you've said that uh, i'm glad your um psyche is good and you're a happy person because <laughs> i think whichever one you prefer is like a direct reflection of how what how your life is going <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. I had a um, I had a coworker ask me um, if they should watch Evangelion, and uh, this individual um, is a very hard worker, um, and often the stress of his job, uh, stress of their job, I feel can impact them. Um, and so I I just was honest and I I said I have never started. Uh, a watch through of Evangelion when I was not dealing with some level of depression. And like, that's the truth. Like, I don't think I've ever, whether consciously or, or subconsciously like said, Hey, I'm going to watch Eva when I was like perfectly content in life. Um, and I just think it's something that people gravitate to for the comfort of it. Um, and maybe just the, the resonance in your mood. Um, I think just a lot of people tend to watch Eva when they're maybe on the, the downswing of their emotions. Yeah. I guess um, this is only true though for rewatches. Cause like the first time around you don't know what's yeah, going to sure. happen. Yeah, definitely. Um, but who knows? Maybe it just kickstarted something. Um, and, and so like, I just was like, you know, if you're going to go into it, maybe make sure that you're in a good place. Because I feel like if you're not in a good place, Eva can bring you lower. <laughs> um, especially because it didn't have the uplift to pull you out until the rebuild, until Thrice Upon a Time. Because I feel like Thrice Upon a Time is quite literally Mari extending her hand and saying, like, hey, let's go. Like, let's get out of here. Yeah, let's quit. Yeah. 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 But everything's okay now. All is right with the world. It is. Yep. Anno completed his own. Anno's uh, in his director's chair. I was going to say Anno completed his instrumentality in Wall of Us. Yeah. We've been used. <laughs> well, uh, if you haven't yet watched Evangelion, I highly recommend you do. Uh, how did you get here? <laughs> You've made a mistake. Yeah. If you're still listening to this and you still haven't watched any of Evangelion, like uh, there might be something wrong with you. Maybe you're you then you definitely should watch it. You're like a prime target yeah. for the show. Yeah, Eva has never been more accessible. 
it is available on Netflix, the original series, um, and the first two movies. Uh, all of Rebuild is on Amazon Prime. Um, that's globally, um, which is crazy. I, I, th- um, I think uh, Blu-ray edition's coming out soon. I, I, yeah, G-Kids I just um, released... They did pre-orders. They sold 5,000 pre-orders of um, a special edition Blu-ray release of the series, um, which does include the original ADV dub. Um, That's sold out. They are going to do a standard edition release of the Blu-ray version of Evangelion, uh, which is awesome. Like, seriously, it's an amazing renaissance of accessibility of arguably the most influential anime series of the 90s um, continues to this day to have an impact on what creators are releasing. So, yeah. Definitely, if you've reached this point in this episode, you've probably watched Evangelion, but um, if you're just a diehard fan of Anime <laughs> and you decided to stick it out despite our warnings, um, this is our... This is our recommendation to watch Eva. Yeah, to those people, I would... There's no excuse at this point. To those people, I would uh, say congratulations. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to start this out by um, singing um, Come Sweet Death. (laughs) might be a better way to go I'll out put, okay <laughs> yeah i'll put that at the end do, do you want to end it there or do you want to like say more words no i'm i've said i've said okay, my piece well, that's it goodbye <laughs> thanks for listening <laughs> uh you can find us on twitter at annie bros creative um you can find me kenny um at sakoku underscore otaku yes i'm on twitter at live uh i don't tweet very much and we'll you retweeted a really funny Dragon Ball Z meme the other oh, day. Yeah, I do retweet things from time to time. Most of, mostly not for anime related though. But uh, what are you gonna do? Yeah, uh, and you can find us online um, www mm-hmm, mm-hmm. three yes. W's period com, uh, or you can go directly to our podcast page. Uh, anniebrospodcast.com yeah um, leave us a comment yeah we have a please comment let us know what you thought of thrice upon a time let us know your thoughts on evangelion um, let me know if you ever watched evangelion when you were happy uh, intentionally um, you know let me let us know uh, favorite character favorite detail that you caught in thrice upon a time um, you know yeah, we'd love to hear. Like honestly, Laban and I, we love Evangelion so much, um, and I love. I will talk to anybody about. Oh yeah, it. if um, I'll talk. If, yeah. if you like mention you like Evangelion beyond like a cursory like yeah I heard of it and saw an episode, then uh, I'll talk to you about that for as long as uh, you will stay standing in front of me. Yeah, <laughs> two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, and then the mailman's like, "I gotta go, kid. <laughs> like, please let me go." <laughs> Better that I don't know how.
Just that I'll never see the day